Welcome back to the Care to Corner podcast with your host, Chris and Deepom here. And folks, we are here. Uh, we promised it in August. We still got one more day, so we're going to do that. Uh, we promised uh, the first part of our two-part Superman series. Uh, we are going to jump right into that. Uh, well, actually, before we jump right into that, um, we did want to take some time to kind of address the tragic loss of Chadwick Boseman. Um, that really felt like it came out of nowhere. Um, yeah, this one, this one definitely hits different. Like we've been losing people left and right. I mean, and I mean, even with Kobe, this is a little bit different because the Kobe one was earlier this year, you know, and came out of nowhere with the helicopter crash. Um, but this one feels different just because like, even with Kobe, it's like, he has so much more life to, to give and live, but it's like, he retired from the NBA. Right. So it's like, he's going on to the next phase of his career. Like Chad was like, it felt like it was the height. Right. See. And so for me, I feel the opposite of those two. Hmm. For me with Kobe, it felt so sudden that it was, no one saw that coming. Mm -hmm. If I look through this lens of the knowledge we have now of Chadwick's disease, it gives me a greater appreciation for the decisions. It makes his decisions so much more deliberate. Oh, absolutely. And while the loss of Kobe was tragic because it was so sudden, this this is sudden for us, Mm -hmm. but for him, he had the opportunity to embrace this, accept what it meant, and still push forward in the way that he chose to do so. And his, his, his role choices and the projects he was invested in and the things he said publicly, they all carry so much more weight because he oh, yeah. knew that this was coming even if we didn't. Yeah. And he never owed us anything. And I want to make that very clear. I've said this on many platforms. As so much as Chris and I don't actually owe you anything as far as who we actually are, they don't owe us anything at all. Right. At all. And the fact that he chose to work shows how much he knew he was aware of the impact his work had. And I think that's and, the, yeah. and I think that's the thing, right? There's a lot of talk going back and forth about, you know, don't romanticize his working through the pain because other people and I, and I get that, right? And and this yeah. is where this is where the online piece where everybody's got to have their own thing to, to process this. But the way I choose to look at it is, especially when you go, like you said, if you go back and look at the things he did, if you look at, like, there's a video of him talking about him going and, and meet kids who had cancer. Um, and in that video, I remember it because, like, um, Lapita and Denia are basically comforting him in there, and it hits so much different now. Because you it realize really he's going through it too. Right? And when you realize that he's done all this work, and he was doing all this stuff because he knew how much of importance it was. Like, I, I was saying that, like, he he really was a legend, not just on the screen, but off the screen in that short amount of time. Like, this is someone that you don't have to think of. You don't have to really make caveats for, oh, well, you know, he was a good actor, but he also, you know, he was kind of a shit person to this. Or he didn't really speak out about this. Like, no, uh, he is. Chadwick Boseman was so sad to say that speaks to him in the past tense. It was one of the few Hollywood insiders you see in on Hollywood actors or people in that industry that achieved that level in that short amount of time who lived their raps. Like he absolutely lived the way that that person you see on screen is that person. He wasn't real. I actually and, interviewed him and, and like I interviewed him for Marshall right. and like uh, a few years ago and he was attentive. Like the, he, he talked about that role in the same way you expect him to talk about any other role he, he did. Like, and he was that person, you know? And 
I think that is something, and he was outspoken about the industry, about diversity, inclusion, and the work of that, and, and, and what it meant for the roles he was doing, not just Black Panther, but all of them, and like, it's why he, it's why he made such a good T'Challa, it's why he was T'Challa, because that was I, him. I think that something that you spoke to there, and speaks to kind of the gravity that when people talk about him, is because of his knowledge of his own personal disease. He didn't have the, the 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 detachment from his work. You know, some people say, "Oh, I didn't realize the impact of what I was doing until mm -hmm. you know I could look back on it." He was forced to live in the now. Mm -hmm. He was forced to recognize and reconcile and 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 reckon with the impact of his works. And it's you hear the stories about him on set and the things he would say to people and the fact that he wouldn't hold his tongue, and. Is that bravery? Yes, but is it framed in a different light now? Mm -hmm. Because he knew that there wouldn't be that the, the, there would be a last set for him. Right. There was no time and to it make was it up later sooner on. than anyone yeah. else knew. His last day on set was going to be here before we knew it, and so he had to take and maximize every minute he had. And that's he took something bad and owned it and made it great, made things great from it. And there's not much more he can say better about a human being. Right. I mean, like, it, it was funny to me, and it's weird how when we pick these character corners, um, they always end up being really relevant to the time, and we randomly pick Superman, but somehow end up being relevant, because in this first episode, we're going to really be talking about, like, the concept of Superman. We're going to get some of the earlier, earlier stuff, but we're going to hit on, like, what Superman meant, and also, you know, it, it reminds me, thinking about Bozeman and what his T'Challa meant, and, mm -hmm. and just that generational gap that he that he crossed with all of that. Like, obviously there were the kids, right? The kids who saw the black kids who saw themselves right. as T'Challa who dressed up. And obviously I've been seeing all these stories and people talking about that, but we also know white kids did too, right? White, white exactly. kids saw him and were like dressing up as T'Challa. I want to be black Panther that too. Right. They're the adults our age, right? In our age group who are all like, Holy shit, they did it. I can't believe it. And, we're, and, we're, and, we, and we turn into kids ourselves, right? Like right. we were, we were just like the kid next. We were sitting in the theaters watching the kids younger than us get excited and we're getting excited for them and for what we're seeing as well. But then there was the older generation too. The people that brought their, 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 their parents, their grandparents to see black Panther and looked at Chadwick Boseman and, and, and connected with him so much, right? Connected with the character didn't realize like, wait, they let, they let this, this dark skin black man, you know, take this role with these dark skin black women and, and own this and do this. And then he did all that. And that's just Black Panther. That doesn't get into the other stuff he did with Jack, uh, James Brown, Jackie Robinson, yeah. you know, Thurgood Marshall. Like, this is a, when you look at, and like you said, in that short period of time, that started before he got diagnosed with cancer, but like in that period of time, what he did and the impact he did on there, like, it is, it's, it's an incredible thing that I, I, I don't know if, if, if we'll ever see it repeated anytime soon. And it, 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 it gives me some solace that, you know, personally, selfishly, that he was able, you know, when he, when he left this world, that he knew how much of that impact it made, right? Like, he get to see what all of his roles, not just Black Panther, but all those roles meant to everyone who saw him in there, right? And I think that that is what he did and what, and, 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 and what it means. And it's like, it's, yeah, go ahead. And I'm not going to... um you're 100% right, because the other roles were so important, but there is a singular importance of Black Panther. Yes. And 
you look at um, the movies that are coming out next, um, Shang-Chi, like, those movies don't happen without Black Panther. Uh, the guy who's playing him even came out and said, it's like, directly I, said that. Directly said, I would not have this role if not for Chadwick Boseman and, and what he did with Black Panther. And I think the, the weirdest serendipity of this all is not that we were doing Superman this month, is that we delayed this thing twice. Right. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> like, we sh- it's, this should have been recorded. Yeah, it should have been recorded. It was, we, were literally, we literally were going to record this on Wednesday with yes. the mailbag, and then we decided, I don't know, let's, something just, we, we were tired, we were like, it's going to be long, let's wait, you know, we were going to be shitting on DC, so we were like, let's, let's, let's wait, and so, yeah, and so now it gives us a chance to, to, to talk about this, and, and again, like, I'm not trying to, and I, and I understand, because, you know, obviously there's the, the thing that Screen Rand and some other people who were, well, what are we going to do with Black Panther 2, like, that's not what this is, right? I, I it, it is definitely hard to think about you know, it's rough knowing he's gone, right? And, and, and to me, it's the thoughts, they kind of go to what's next for that, but not because of I'm being selfish, but because like, and we've talked about this before, like he was going to be, it, it's, a, it's hard to imagine the MCU without him there being centered in it, not selfishly, but because like he deserved that honor, right? No, it was the story they told. Right, it was the story they told and he was going to be at the center of that and it, 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 it feels so wrong that he's not going to be there. But then I have to remind myself, it's like, but then he was, right? He, he got to tell. He was in four, four different everyone, movies. And- everyone who touches the gauntlet in Endgame, let's, let's just do this really weirdly. Yeah. Everyone who touches the gauntlet in the last sprint in Endgame is who's got next for Marvel. Right. It goes from Hawkeye to Panther to Spider-Man to Captain Marvel. Right. That was it. Yeah. They were letting you know what was next. If you pay attention, they'll tell you what's going to come. Right. And yes, and I and no, those people who are doing that open speculation, the worst in the world. Yes, fuck them. The worst people in the world. But there's the character is going to remain centered, I believe. Yes. Because he's inexorably tied to the story they're telling. But the fact that right. you know, like even having the fact that Shane Chi's on the slate and being filmed, he got to see his legacy play out some. Right. And he won't see the full impact, and, and that is a and that is a tragedy. But I'm glad that his work wasn't in vain, and he knew uh, yes. that. And and that's the th- the key thing that he knew that it wasn't in vain. Because sometimes when when this happens, it's that thing that we don't appreciate somebody until they're gone. And I'm 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 very grateful, and I hope that his family's grateful that all of us, as his, if you think of it, almost that extended family, that extended pieces of him also appreciate him like i've seen some people kind of commenting on the people that were kind of mean about that image that came out and things like that and and while i get it yeah people should be way nicer you don't know what somebody's going through but i choose to remember the fact that the majority of people didn't do that the majority of people recognize that chadwick boseman to him to them he was t'challa he was the king of wakanda and even outside of that role that's what he was right and that he knew that. I was seeing somebody talk about how you know he was never tired of doing the Wakanda salute, right? To him, that was he's always going to do that. That's a salute. Right. That's, a, that's what I, what it is. Um, and so I'm, it's, I'm glad. I'm like you. I'm glad that he at least got to see the appreciation for that and the recognition for that. And this isn't one of those things that somebody is gone and now all of a sudden we want to give them their their props. It's like I'm, I'm appreciative that. With all his roles, even with the movies that weren't good, 
everybody still goes, well, maybe Marshall wasn't good, but like Travis Bozeman played that hell of a third, third good Marshall, right? right? Exactly. It's like, it's like I and I appreciate the fact that I always come out there. Um, like I said, it's it's it's. I did not think <laughs> on the thirtieth of August, twenty twenty, that we would be eulogizing Chadwick Boseman. Um, but here we are. Um, and again, I'm, I'm mixing characters here, but I think it's fitting to say, and it kind of goes so to what we were saying before is every second's a gift, right? And yep. and I think it's we really have to make sure that we appreciate those that we have around us, whether that's your local family, whether that's the people you know, like you got to appreciate them um, and let them know you appreciate them. So, oh, man, this, this was a hard one. I'm not going to lie. I didn't want to do shit yesterday, you know, since I found it. it this, this is one. You, and you can tell the impact of it because of what everybody went through, has been going through the last this, this entire weekend, right? I know ABC is going to be playing uh, Black Panther tonight, and then they're going to have a special ABC news report on them. Like, that's how big this is, right? This is, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, it, and again, it's not the same because obviously Christopher Reeves was around a lot longer, but it kind of reminds me of that. Like there's been other times when we've, we've lost a star and you don't get something like, it doesn't feel like this impactful. It's like, it's sad. People feel some kind of way, but it, it kind of like floats. It's like, it feels like everyone realizes that losing Bozeman it, was. It feels like Prince to me. Yeah. Yeah. The world stopped when Prince died. Yeah. And that's what I feel happened here. I yeah. feel like the, the world stopped. It skipped for yeah. a night. And because I didn't have my phone. I was watching something on TV. And uh, Susan just said, don't go on Twitter. And I was like, well, now I got to see what's on Twitter. All right. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, man. So, oh, man. R.I.P. Uh, Chadwick Boseman. So, um. I just had to get that out there because it's been 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 weighing on me. It, it's like I, it was to the point where I was like, oh, I almost didn't want to do shows today, and I, I canceled some of the other reviews. Like, so you might be just anybody listening to this. If you're a premium member, you might be delayed on some premium stuff just because, like, yeah, Friday kind of was kind of hard for me to do anything after Friday's news. So, um, but we're gonna try to get some stuff out. We're definitely doing this, obviously, and then we're gonna do. I have a character, uh, an insanity check coming out today as well. So. But um, I don't know how I'm going to feel after I do all, both of those things. I might be drained. So, <laughs> like, this is one of those ones that they take care of yourself, not just, like, physically, but also mentally. Like, 2020 has been rough and exhausting for everyone, but particularly black people. So, take care of yourselves, folks. It's dead serious. So, all right. Got that out of the way. Um, and that's something that, I, I, like, it's going to keep coming up. I don't know when the next time I'm going to see Black Panther. Like, I know they're playing. I'm, I, I can't do it. So I don't no. know. I, I'm sorry. Like, I, I understand the sentiment. I, I, I'm, I can't. Um, this, is the only, this is the only reason why it's different than Prince for me. Like, when Prince died, I at least start playing Prince music. I can't watch any. Like, I have a poster that I was trying to get framed. A Mondo poster that was the Black pa- pa- Panther poster. And I'm like, I don't know if I can hang that right now. Because I don't know if I can right. see that. So. Um, all right. Um, let's get into what we're here to talk about. Um, it's super- fitting. This is my last podcast in this house. It's yeah, my last, there you go. My last character corner in this house, and it's the big guy. Yeah, the number one guy. Um, the the character that honestly started it all, right? And we we've covered a little bit about this. We've covered around Superman a lot. 
We did Superboy. We, I mean, we did. We literally did everybody else but Superman. We did Superboy. We did Lex Luthor. We did um, the history of comics, which obviously, if you're starting with the history of comics, you and especially get into the gold, you can't, you can't not talk about Superman. You know, because he's he's the, the guy. He's the character that kind of started it off. Um, like we said the, the first part of this is going to focus more on the history and context of Superman. Um, and not really digging into the stories too much because uh, I mean we're gonna get to, like when we get into like the eighties. There's 80s, a we're reason talking, why right. you won't dig into the stories, and it's, it's a lot. We will you will hear it in the podcast. Yes. Um, but it's it's the Golden Age character, right? And but I also feel like you have to talk about the history of his Golden Age stuff. Maybe not the stories themselves, but what it meant at that time, mm-hmm. because that for, and that one informs your 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 understanding of the character. Two, we'll get into this later. Also informs how DC fucks up with the character later on. Um, oh, I've never been angry about the DC um, <laughs> DC's movies than yeah. I am right now. Um, like I, the, the happiness is because I'm going to talk about Superman for however long. The happiness is there, but behind that, boiling rage. Right. Like, and obviously, you know what? Honestly, after this, I want apologies from all the Man of Steel apologists. I still, I still enjoy I, it. That's but fine. I it's a fun. You can like it as a movie. It is not a Superman movie. I'll give you that. I can give you that. I can give you that. That character was not Superman. Good goddamn. Well, like I, whew. well, you know what it is, and and we'll get more into this, um, as we go through this. But I, I think what it is is, and it comes back all. It always comes back to the idea that there's not a good DC. Never has a, has never had a good through line to when they started you know to to their beginning and they've always tried to feels like it always feels like with dc's characters they're always trying to figure out how the how they can sell comics more than tell the story and 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 i think that when you do that you start focusing on the wrong things of the character and you kind of get away from the core of the character mm-hmm. um and and that's what you know when you look at man of steel that's what happens here. You get somebody like Zack Snyder who, who really is just uh, is not good at this um, and took all the wrong lessons from certain things and Every decided time. it would just lead to look, look cool. Um, but yeah, Superman's arguably the first co- for superheroes. I mean, there are other... Some people will say there's other characters from the pre-Golden Age stuff that might be have some of those archetypes, but to, to, to us, it's he, he has all of them. You know, when, when I say I need a facial tissue, I don't say I say I need a Kleenex, mm-hmm. whatever the brand is. That's right. Superman is. He's the brand. Right. He was a superheroes. They think Superman first. Right. Um, he's also one of the few characters to survive the decline of the Golden Age um, and come right into the, the Silver Age. Um, uh, one of the characters that DC has, and we'll go through a little bit more of this later on. One of the characters that DC has that, and, and there's a reason for this, that doesn't... Um, Need to need need to restart in the in the uh, Silver Age, right? I want to say it's just Batman and Superman are like that. Yes. Um. Everybody else kind of we we went through Wonder Woman already. We definitely know that there's a whole different Green Lantern, different Flash, all these things. Superman and Batman are the ones that carry over. Um. Mainly because of how they uh, you can tell those stories, and 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 we'll get into like how they did that later on. Um. Action Comics and Superman are the two longest running uh, periodicals in history. Been running since 1938 and 1939. That is insane. That's crazy. It's insane. 
They now obviously they've renumbered and things like that, mm-hmm. but named and 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 still running, been running since then. That is that is absolutely insane. <laughs> um, like we were saying, uh, you know, we're I, when I originally wrote this, it's like I was a, we were a day removed from DC Fandom, but we're a few days away from DC <laughs> Fandom. Um, and you can listen to our mailbag to talk about um, listen to how we felt about that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, we're we're. You guys know we're not big fans of DC's management. Um, we love the characters, not what they do with them, and I think that gets tra- traced all the way back to the beginning. Like, yeah. if you think about it, Superman is an accidental hit for national allied publications. Later, become DC, you know. And once it became a hit, they it then became a scramble. This is the thing that always happens, and and it's not just a Warner Brothers thing or or, or a DC thing or or any of these big corporations, everybody does this. You get an accidental hit, and now you're trying to figure out, well, how the fuck can we keep it going on? Sometimes it works. Look at the Fast and Furious series, right? We're going to be getting Fast and the Furious series and, and when we're 100. It's going to be like Fast and the Furious wheelchair edition. They're going to be in the wheelchairs running around. It's going to be there. Here for it. Right. Here I, for I, it. I'm here for it. I'm going to watch it, right? You know, it, it's, it's like you, you get that accidental hit, and then you're like, well, we can't just let it go, can we? And... And in 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 a way, I'm glad they didn't with Superman. But also, you start seeing some of the struggles of and the, and the fights between like how do we keep keep the character relevant? Um, mm. So, um, created in June 1938, uh, Joe Schuster and Jerry Siegel, um, two Jewish men, and I think it's important to to note that and, and note that you know you had two Jewish men. Um, create this character and in the world that we um that we were living in, you know, that's one year. Now, while that's one year before World War II officially started, you got to think about it, you know. And I think this is one of the things that um history does not do justice for us is um people knew who the fuck Hitler was before <laughs> World War II started, right? Um, he was making all kinds of news and he was very, very anti-Semitic and the things that were happening to the Jews in Germany, you know, started long before World War II started in September 1939. Also, just because it was the United States does not mean that that anti-Semitism and them pro-Nazi motherfuckers weren't also here in the United States. They learned, go really, (laughs) if you've got some time, go read about the history of the Nazi party and how, where they got their ideas from. We learned it from you, dad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um but yeah no it's it's I, I think it's important to pull that out right of how much of the characters that we know and love come from jewish writers and artists the world they were living in when they started creating these characters and what that meant and why these characters and why it's so insulting when you hear people say i don't, i just want to re- read my comics and i have politics involved these characters were created in the midst of politics in the midst sure. of the world that we are living in you cannot separate that you cannot separate the fact of who these characters were why they were created and the world around them in which they were created in you you can't do that it's impossible and and when you do that, you tell me that you don't know your history and you're not really a fan of these characters. Plain and simple, right? Well, and, and a lot of that goes down to the corporate map. And again, I'm not going to redo the uh, mailbag here. 
But when you look at Superman, do you see an icon that's sellable across media, or do you see beloved comic book character? Because comparatively, comic books make them very little money. And they're just really a cheap experiment farm, cheap idea farm for them to try new things. And so I really think that when you look at the structure of WB and the relationship with DC, that's where you start to see why you feel the way you feel and why, why we're presented the way it's presented. Because it doesn't matter. That's why they're able to reboot every five or seven years. Because, hey, we need an, what if we're telling origin stories in these movies? We need new, fresh origin stories. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me that the New 52 wasn't someone's idea to say, well, what if we just start our universe and we just pretend five years in and don't explain anything? How would that look for the viewer? It may not have been the Genesis, but tell me it wasn't a consideration. Right. Um, in science fiction number three, 1933, I think we talked about this in our, in our, uh, history of comics, but that's when Joel, uh, Joe Susher and, and Jerry Siegel first, uh, titled a character, uh, it's called the reign of Superman and it was, it was a villain. Uh, and that's what they recreated this character in 1938 and tried shopping it around. Um, they modeled uh, Superman off of Douglas Fairbanks and Clark Kent was married off of, modeled off of Harold, uh, Harold Lloyd and Joe Schuster. Um, and it was picked up the character. They shopped the character around and was finally picked up by national allied publications, which later becomes DC. And, uh, they, um, put the character in action comics. Number one, um, it has that, that famous cover of Superman lifting up, you know, the car, uh, smashing into a rock. Um, I will never not smile at that. I'm sorry. I, yeah. I know it gets kind of homage everywhere and they use it too much sometimes, but it never does. bring a smile to my face. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 that is. Action Comics number one is it's the it's the the basically the launch of the is not even basically it is the launch of the golden age, the start of the superhero uh, rush, um and so that image is is iconic. But what's even more iconic is when you look at that first page because I, I picked up the um so I'm not gonna I, I you know like we were saying like you you can't go and read you know all these old earlier comics i'm just i'm sorry i I get some people like that stuff it's it's almost too cheesy so i can't do it but what i did do is uh, i picked up the superman in celebration 75 years um book that kind of goes through some of the early days and you know i I can't remember how far all the way it goes to it goes all the way to uh grant morrison the man of tomorrow the boy who's with superman's cape uh action comics zero in 2012 um so it goes it goes it goes through it picks out select stories um to kind of tell and obviously it's going to pick out action comics number one but it's important because on that first panel and that first page in there, and a- again, it goes back to the, 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 who the creators were in the world they were living in. It's Superman, champion of the oppressed, the physical marvel who has sworn to devote his existence to helping those in need. I mean, that's Superman. Superman. That is the, that is, that is where you start. No matter what changes with his origin, no matter what stories that come in later on, like that is there, that champion of the oppressed physical Marvel who has sworn to devote his existence to helping those in need. Like That's that, it. that is your base or should be your base for Superman anywhere you go. Um, and again, it's modeled off of the creators and what the world they were living in was like. If you think that they weren't experiencing anti-Semitism, in 1938 America, you're out of your goddamn mind. <laughs> you know? Stan Lee, his real name is Stanley Leibowitz. 
Right. You know, you have to hide it. These are, I mean, and you, and you also think back to, you know, this goes back to the anti-Semitism of why, you know, certain uh, races or certain ethnicities end up in certain, certain um, jobs. This might be because this is all that was available to them. It's all exactly. they could do. Right. You know, the whole thing about Jews being bankers and things like that. Well, if you don't let them be anything else, mm. you know, so I think it's important. Um, we talked about this. We'll, we'll, we're not going to get too much into this. Um, but we talked about this a lot in the um, history of comics piece. Um, they sold the rights for yeah. That was how the game was back then, yeah. and I know people try to make excuses for it, but it is like go to the Batman character corner, listen to my Bill Finger rant mm-hmm. because it applies here. Yeah, hundred thirty dollars. Oh man, you know, and and I think that you know what it, it it's. You can say the game's a game at that time, and that's what everybody was doing. All right, cool. You know, even if I give you that, right? What I think what happens is, and this is what you see later on, is what Allied and then National and then eventually DC do afterwards, which is when, I think it's Siegel or either uh, his his widow starts trying to sue DC and they lose, that's when they start removing their bylines. Yep. Like if you get everything that digitally now, you'll see created by Jerry Siegel. Uh, it's been and, all re-added. Yeah, you know Joe, uh, Joe Schuster and Jerry Siegel. It's been re-added, but there's a period of time in here where their bylines were all removed from this. Same thing they did with Bill Finger. Um, and we bring this up just to kind of say that hey, you know, you kind of got to address that that we're we're standing on the shoulders of, of this work that everybody else has done before. And again, it's it's tied so well into what we were just talking about with Chadwick Boseman. It's like this idea of, you know, not giving people their due. For years, it, Joe Schuster and Jerry Siegel just did not get the recognition for what arguably becomes, you know, the, the linchpin of, like, a multi-billion dollar industry. Maybe even yeah. trillion dollar industry at this point, because when you think about everything, it's already multi-billion. Just in the movies alone, if you add in everything else, we might end up even higher it's than that. It's a trillion dollar industry. Right. You know, and, and, and they had to fight to get, <laughs> there had to be fights to get their names back to being added as creators of this, you know? So, again, this, this is what we call the dark times of, these have been the dark times of the comic book industry, you know, because at some point you got to remember it is a business to so run by businesses who do business things. That are not, we don't excuse, but like, that's something you have to, you have to remember. And it's not just DC Some, does that. Like Marvel no. has done it too. Marvel has a lot of things in their past too. So yeah. Um, I think that one of the things outside of the comics is, is it also becomes a thing of like, so why did Superman take off? Right? Why did... Why was it this story compared to some of the other stories you see? Like you read that, you read that story. It's, it's very, you know, it's, it's fine. But like, even compared to the stories of the day, you know, at that time, it's like, it's no different than some of the other stuff you see. What, what made Superman different? Right. Um, you gotta remember at this time also, this, it's not the Superman that we know of, right. right. With the powers we have, like this is, you know, I, I love the line. What is it? Um, more powerful uh, than a locomotive, faster than speeding bullet, and able to leap tall, tall buildings in a single bound, right? Because that was his power set. He could not fly. Uh, flying didn't come, come at that time. Um, he had this, the red cape, the blue suit. 
I don't even know if they had. Did they have the? They didn't even have the S on the chest. Oh yeah, he did. They the did. S. It was a little the yellow one. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they had, had the S on the chest. He had it the, was. The, it wasn't the one you think of. Right. Yeah. It's it's more like a cursive S. <laughs> yeah. It's adorable. Yeah. It's adorable. Um. You know the red the the the, the red underwear outside the outside the spandex. You know the important where things. they belong. <laughs> the important things. Um. But like, why did it take off? And you know, I think one of the things that kind of helped, because it's like, even if it, it was popular at that time, there's a lot of stories out there that were popular at the time, then comic books, and they kind of faded off. Like, what made it so that when, um, you know, especially in the 50s, when you had the comic book authority come in and, and, um, and, and, and some of these other comics died off, what, what kept Superman going? And I think that one of the things, and something that they're actually doing again now, and I don't know how it's going to take off, but it's, it's a ser- the radio, the radio serial. Right. I think that without the radio serials that did like over 2,000 episodes between 1940 and 1951, it ran for 11 years. And I think between that and obviously the newspaper, I don't know if we get, you know, if, if Superman takes up like he is. It's... The radio serials where you got all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Everything else around Superman, like you think Superman, yeah, okay. But what do you also think of Daily Planet? Not the Daily Star at the time. You think of Jimmy Olsen. You think mm-hmm. of like this is the place where these, these this world was built around him. And so even before the ubiquity of comic books, there's a built-in fan base. It was the it, it's it's if comics aren't popular as as they were, which they weren't, the radio show was. Yeah, this is the era of gather on the radio. Let's hear a story. <laughs> when did Orson Welles' uh, uh, War of the World? Like, yeah, this, the world come this out. is that yeah. time. Mm-hmm. So that you're 100% right that you want to talk about an endearing character. Man. Impressive. Yeah. Um, and and it's, it's one of those things of, like you said, it's, 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 it's funny because I feel like this is also another thing that you see this a lot with 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 DC characters, and I don't know if they've properly I don't want to say exploited it, but took take you know included in in their method of how they do things. Like, mm. how many times have we seen that there's a popular character become popular, but you realize they become popular because something that was outside of the comics? Harley Quinn is a perfect example of that, right? Harley Quinn exists because of the, the DC animated series. Right. Like you, the, Harley Quinn does not exist in the comics, right? Prior and to then... The show, the show hmm? Prior to the show now. Yeah. And then you get her showing up there, and then it, it, it's a character now, you associate that with Harley Quinn, right? Um, and, and so many of the things that, again, like you said, you think about with um, Superman come from the radio show. You know, yeah. him being able to fly came from the second episode of the, of the radio show. You know, they had that, they had that line. I think this is the, um, I think this is the opening from the radio. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far above those mortal men. 
Superman, Defender of Law and Order. Uh, that doesn't hold well today, but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Defender of Law and Order, Champion of Equal Rights, Valiant, Courageous Fighter Against the Forces of Hate and Prejudice, who disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for the greater metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. Like, I really thought you were going to give us old-timey news uh, uh, radio voice. I was thinking about it, but I can't do that. So. <laughs> but like, you got to think about it though. We, we think about that in in the old-timey radio voice every time this, like, you drill that into people's heads all the time. Like, it's going to be there. Like, I remember the um, the animated uh, uh, was it Adventures of Superman little animated yeah, the thing? Anima- little animated shorts, the yeah. Little animated shorts. You do, they they read this. They did the same thing. It's like they read. They would read this all the time, and it's like it's catchy. It's gonna get there for you. It's it's a thing. I mean, how many times you look up in the sky? A bird. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Like that is something that you know what it is. You get those catchy things in there. People are going to start latching onto that. They're going to know what that is, and I think that. You know, and and the other thing too that was key about the radio show, aimed at kids. Very, very important. Isn't that weird? <laughs> Someone's like, all oh, this stuff was aimed at kids, and it's almost like that's the best way to build a lasting generational brand. Could <laughs> you get the kids? The kids who eventually grow up as adults, and then what are those and adults? They'll bring they have their kids, and the nostalgia will feed us again. Wait a second! <laughs> no, no, no! Let's make murder Superman. Let's make murder Superman. Let's have him execute some. <laughs> like you get, you see, but you see now, right? Yeah. You see my point. No, no, I, I saw your point before too. Okay. I did. I've always seen your, I've always, I've always seen your point when it comes to Man of Steel and I get it. Also realize that you've made the point better than a lot of the people online do. It's so, <laughs> but, 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 it's, but, but it makes even sense. Even if they're right. saying it wrong, like I, I, you're probably yeah. right that they're saying it the wrongest ways. Right. But I, <laughs> Reading this, like you're getting prepared for this, thinking about Superman for the last couple of days. Chris, it's so goddamn frustrating. Yeah, it's it's supposed to be he's it's supposed to be the character that's the best of us. Just even, film All Star right. Superman. Yeah, you know, um, but yeah, so you had the radio, and it's what's interesting about this is we have this coming back. You know, you had Stitcher had the um, Wolverine the Long Night. Um, uh, Neil Gaiman's um, Sandman is now doing, I think, an audible book. Uh, or Which I may, I may actually do that. I yeah, may, I may. They may get me on that one. Yeah, I mean, like, and, and this is not the first, like they're starting to do this kind of now with podcasting and telling these stories in there. Is it going to take off the same way that these did back in the day? Probably not, just because like we have other mediums. We have a, we have the visual medium of comics, and we have TV, and we have movies. But it's still going to get some people because if, again, if you're on the road all the time and you want to. You hear these stories, read these stories. Now you have a way of uh, you have a new medium of, of bringing people in that way. It, it can't hurt. Um, but back in back in this time when you know a lot of people might not have had a, a TV, but everybody had a radio. You know, and and everybody might not have been able to afford to get the newspaper or get the the the, the comics. But you know what they they, they could get the radio. Radio was free, baby. Right. You, if you had a radio, you can you can listen to it as long as you wanted, and so you had that. You had it's it's the other thing too that I think that we and we've talked about this before about the decline of comic book sales comes from the idea that well you guys made them less accessible. It used to be you go to the comic books the comic book rack in the, in the grocery store and get all the comic books you want. You took away the racks, you know. You took away the direct to consumer, and so 
you made them you made them more niche. You made it so that you have to either order online or go to a comic book store to get them. Well, then yeah, your numbers are going to go down because now you're not getting the kid who's stuck in a department store but finds the comic. Like that was the great thing to me in the world, right? When you're stuck in the department store with your your parents or your mom and they're shopping and you find the comic book rack. You're just like, I'll be here. And yeah. hours can go by. I'll park here. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna find I'm gonna get these peaks into this world that I would never know about. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna read single issues of characters I couldn't care less about, but I'm still bored, so guess what? I'm gonna read them. Yep. And and that is that was the for us, that was our introduction and in, in our way of getting into this world. Back in the in the forties and fifties, it's the radio. And I think that when we talk about you know, a lot of people focus on the price and this kind of stuff. It's yeah, all that stuff matters, but it's also like, how do you get them? How do you get these stories into, and honestly, again, it's a point here, into the hands of kids or ears of kids? And if you're not aiming that way, then you're going to see some declines, you know? Yep. You're going to see the fact that Superman now is selling the lowest it's ever sold at before. Well, you're not aimed at kids. What are you doing to get the kids more interested right. back well, in? That, yes, yes, there's that also. It's the fact that they don't, like, people point to DC slagging sales. They don't promote the line. Well, there's also that. I mean, yes, yes. There's no back, like, the comic, if you talk about, if you watch a Avengers feature, if you watch a, a behind the scenes, if you watch any discussion of Marvel characters, you're going to see a comic creator involved. Mm-hmm. But these DC guys, when I see a, a, a movie come out, you think that, and, and you know what, honestly, it's kind of weird, Jeff Johns has written most of them, but you'd think that he's the only writer they've ever employed. <laughs> Gail Simone, have you watched, I, I, this is a bit of a tangent, have you watched the, um, the animated Suicide Squad? Mm, which one? I th- oh no! I know you Yeah, no, I haven't seen it yet. No. The one that's like a direct ripoff of Secret Six. No, I haven't seen it. They don't use her. They don't mention Gail Simone's name once. She was not consulted once on it. Wow! But they just took her story, man. And it's it. It was the most recent thing that made me feel really uncomfortable with some of the ways DC handles their line. But I'll def- like they're able to, to to cancel Young Justice behind lagging sales. Bitch, point to your good sales. <laughs> right. Where are the good ones? What are you talking about? So, yes, you're right. The sales are down because of a lot of lack of interest, but it's also a boatload of other factors. Because oh, well, the I, Spider-Man well, book's yeah. not aimed at kids, but Spider-Man as a character is. Oh, well, let me, let me say this. Um, I think the lack of interest, and I should be, should be more clear, the lack of interest comes from the lack of interest at the top to promote the line. Right, that's where it comes from. Like 100%. it's 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 a top down thing. When you when your when your sales are lagging, it's not because the stories can't sell. This shit is super. Like it reminds me of this idea. And all this comes from this idea when they came out talking about some. They don't know if they're going to do another Superman movie because they don't know how to they don't know how to sell it. And I'm like, it's Superman. This shit sells itself. It sold itself since 1938. <laughs> how are you going to outsmart literally 80 years of market research, you assholes? It's it's it's. It's Superman. That's how you fucking sell it. So like, goddamn inferior. Right. And it's like, what do you mean you don't know how to sell Superman? What the fuck? Maybe, maybe, don't, like you said, maybe don't make him murder Superman. Maybe don't make it, maybe don't wash him out in color. You know, maybe, maybe have him looking like, you know, the, the man in the tomorrow. Right? Full stop. <laughs> what if, what if he made people want to be better? 
Oh boy. I hate it. It's just hmm. Oh man. Um like early so early bio, everybody knows this. Last surviving member of the planet Krypton. Um well, he was rocketed away as an infant or as an embryo. Yep. It depends on your continuity. Yep. And, th- and this other thing too here. Um it's not as much, and I know you say this all the time about 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 um um Batman, but I'm also tired of seeing that baby getting kicked off into the space all the time. It's so, like I get some points. I, I that one it makes more sense. I'm more it, okay with. I'm more no. I I'm more okay with it than the pearls. I am. I am, and I get it. At the same time, it's one of the things. that's like I think we understand where Superman comes from, right? It's like, like I don't if you think, just do the rocket landing. I'm okay with that too. Yeah, I don't need to see it take off. I do need to see it land. I, get I you. don't know why. I get you. Well, I mean, I think there's also where because you know what you know we wonder why, and this, this also gives you a perfect example between. Batman and Superman, the two characters that have some, been around the longest for DC and, and survived that, that middle period of between the Silver Age, uh, Silver Age and Golden Age and Silver Age. Um, it's with the Waynes, it's about death. With Superman, with that, with that rocket ship opening and, and Martha and Jonathan Kent opening, it's birth, right? It's, 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 it's very simple. It's, 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 it's such a simple explanation, right? And so it is it is better. You know, if, if I have to choose between one, I'm obviously choosing the Superman. The fact that Batman versus Superman opens and closes with a funeral is the most amazing thing <laughs> I've ever, like, I need people, like, I've said that a couple times on these shows. Mm-hmm. I need you to really think about this. They open with the funeral. Nowhere to go but up, right? <laughs> Wrong. We close with a funeral. You assholes. What's Superman embody beyond all other things? All other things. Hope. Whether it's the hope of a superpowered protector from by written by two Jewish kids from fucking Cleveland. He's hopeful. He doesn't live your life for you. He doesn't stop every crime. He keeps things on the rails so you can take care of yourself. But, but that's not dark and gritty. I hate you. <laughs> that's not dark and gritty enough. I need, I need tangible. I, oh, if we can someone only, says we can, to you, we can only connect Superman to pain. needs to be real, you have my permission. Say, Deep Palm on the Internet Network said so, to stand your ground, square your feet, look them in the eye, and say, fuck you. <laughs> um. The full details, I give the full first full details of his, his, um, him being sent to Earth, uh, and kind of outline that he is an alien in, uh, Superman, uh, 53. I guess they kind of say it before then, but really kind of giving the details is Superman uh, number 53. Um, again, like we said, his original power sets were, um, uh, strength, uh, being, uh, uh, being fast, faster than speed and bullet. At this point, it's, it's not the, the speed that we see now where it's not rivaling any, again, it's not where near rivaling for charity car, right? There's nowhere near rival, rivaling the flash. We're still pretty fast. Um, more powerful than and a locomotive. Can it honestly, his, his yeah. power plot armor. Yes. That's plot it. Armor. And, and but if he needs to do it, he can do it. Right. And that's really a lot of this comes down to that. It's like, basically impervious to, to any kind of harm. 
and vulnerability. Like I said, Flight came in the in the radio second episode of the radio show. Uh, actually, comments number eleven. He got X-ray vision. Uh, in 1949, in uh, Superman 53, he demonstrated his heat vision, where he just kind of turned, it's kind of an extension of the x-ray vision. Uh, 1939, Action Comics number 11 also, he got super hearing. Uh, 1940, Action Comics number 20, he got superhuman breath, the freeze breath. Uh, well, superhuman breath, and then freeze breath was in uh, Superman uh, 129. That's that's 20 years of restraint. Yeah. 20 years he was blowing stuff and not freezing it. Yeah, not not, not breathing it. And then then 20 years later, you get the freeze breath. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, like we were saying before, the the way that they've done this with continuity, while Superman is probably, Superman and Batman are the only two characters really, for the most part, have had their origins not really changed that much or very, very slightly. And I think that is um, amazing when you think about how long they've been, right? Because you can go and you want to see a mess of an origin. <laughs> we'll listen to a one-on-one character corner. Would you mind the redo? Because we only we did that one in one episode, and I feel like there's there's so much we skipped over. <laughs> I feel like I skipped over everything I need to skip over. Right. I feel um, so okay with the Lego right. character corner. <laughs> like, um, I'm surprised right. that I somehow got rid of the Donald Troy one in one. I think we did yeah. Donna in one too. No, no, we never did. We yeah, Donna was in that. That's what I'm saying. It's like Donna, Donna, Donna. That's what I'm saying. Donna was yeah, Donna was included in Wonder Woman, and then we also kind of someone else's Wonder Woman podcast. And then then we covered it. We covered Donna a little bit, I think, and then Teen Titans. So oh yeah, yeah. 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 We had to yada we yada yada a lot with Wonder Woman because it was like it's a your head will start to hurt. So like. (laughs) The thing about Superman's origin, and every time you get a new writer, you get to tell the origin again because everyone makes little changes. And we'll talk about things that have kind of come locked in place later on after Man of Steel, which not the movie. <laughs> John Byrne, goddammit. Um, <laughs> but like the ideas of what Krypton was before it exploded, they can largely inform the, the story you're going to tell with Superman. Um, but yeah, it's. Largely unchanged. A, a, a stranger sins. It's the Moses story. Yeah. And it, well, I think, I think also that's the problem, right? Is like people, and this is why we say people take the wrong imagery from this. It is the Moses story. And obviously you have, uh, that informs some of this stuff, but it's like, you don't go overboard with it. Right. It's like, don't make that the huge focus of it all. Yeah, like, the story of Moses is not about how he got there. It's about what he did when he was there. Exactly. And, like, you know what Moses never does? Hunt down his birth family. What the hell? <laughs> no. The story is what he does now. Right. If, uh, yeah. if, it, if he does hunt down his birth family, if there's like an addendum to the Bible <laughs> or maybe like some fan fiction, I'd read it. Like a gritty Moses. I don't know. You know, don't one. <laughs> I now see. I'm gonna get added. Now, like, oh my god! Is, first of all, I know this probably exists, right? Like someone's going to be tweeting. So it somebody, me, so. you know, like I think John Ridley or somebody did. It was the one with Russell Crowe. They did the uh, the gritty Noah. So I'm like, you're not too far off that somebody would try to do a gritty Moses. And you know what? Noah's I, story I, is gritty. It's an incest boat. Like, I know. Anyway. I know the person to do this. Actually, this is what Zack Snyder needed to do. So oh, now, now see, now I get it. See, Zack Snyder really wanted to tell the story of Moses. <laughs> Moses snaps every other animal's neck. I killed them before the flood could take. Right. Oh. There was no room. There was no room for the unicorn. So what did you do, Moses? Oh. I did what I had to do. Snap. <laughs> 
That's actually the name of the movie is The Last Unicorn. The big twist in the third act is that it's Moses. <laughs> He's returned to the ark like, I got it. <laughs> and then we'll get the, so we got to get the last qu- qu- unicorn uh, Zack Snyder cut. <laughs> the last shot is just like the rain starts to fall. But the first shot's also rain falling. I hate you. Um, <laughs> and, the, and the Zack Snyder cut, the devil shows up. Yeah, what you didn't see was the next rollout. Of the seven movies while they're at sea. <laughs> God damn it. Oh. oh, I'm sorry. When all that right. movie gets greenlit, everyone blame me. I want all the blame for this one. <laughs> this one's my fault. All of it. Um, the source of his powers, uh, again, so like we were saying, it kind of over the place. It first started off that his, his power, his strength came from uh, all Kryptonians had strength, right? Um, in 1961, uh, so this is now in the Silver Age, Superman number 146. They said all of his powers, except for strength, came from the Yellow Sun. So basically his flight, his speed, all that stuff is not what native Kryptonians had, but because of the closing of the Yellow Sun. And we, you know, and that's something that people, a lot of people have, that he's powered by uh, the, the Earth's Yellow Sun. Um, two years later, again, getting with the concept of DC re, you know, rechanging um, origin stories on the whim, uh, in a national, uh, in um, Action Comics number three hundred sixty-three, all of his powers came from the Yellow Sun. Full stop. Our- now I want to just stop you here. Mm-hmm. That's a full twenty-five goddamn years after creation. We yes. finally locked in the hows, whys, and what fors of what powers him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not what his powers are, because those are going to continue to change. Mm-hmm. What powers him? Yes, Chris. What's the Flash's power? Speed. Weird. What's Green Lantern's power? Willpower. Hmm. Yep. Those are pretty baked in at the beginning, right? Yep. Hmm. Yep. Okay. Um, What I'm trying to paint here is that the idea is is the idea. Superman as an idea is bigger than the character. Yes. He encapsulates so much and he's so important. And honestly, one of the things we're going to talk about at the end of this podcast, probably part two, is Doomsday Clock. Mm-hmm. Because if you want to understand how integral he is to superheroes, and there's a lot of things I don't like some of the recent output from Jeff Johns. That's one, a love letter to Superman that he he nailed. Mm-hmm. Because Superman is hope. And hope's got to change throughout the eras. Sometimes hope needs to have his powers explained to come through a, a yellow sun. Sometimes hope comes from a civilized society. Sometimes it came from an advanced society. Sometimes a a a a a sentient AI from his home world also comes with him to guide him, but ends up trying to destroy him. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is this hope molds itself, and I'm literally just like paraphrasing Doomsday Clock now. That hope melds itself to whatever it needs to be in relation to whatever time we're living in now. Mm-hmm. Um, so he used to fight mobsters. Yeah, that was the beginning. It was corrupt politicians. Yep, that's <laughs> almost like politics was involved from <laughs> in the beginning. <laughs> Some um, things don't change, right? So, 1963, all his powers come from the yellow sunlight of the Earth and are deactivated by run, red sunlight, like Krypton's sun. Um, kryptonite uh, is one one of a few weaknesses, but the big one. Uh, was introduced on the radio show. Again, the radio show being the thing that introduced something that's so such a large piece of 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 Superman lore. 
it doesn't hit the comics until six six years later in Superman sixty sixty one. So again, the radio show was just as important to building that legend of Superman as anything in the comics. Um, in 1964, uh, 161, uh, 171, that's when they reveal he's vulnerable to magic. And that's something that also sticks with us to today of Superman being very, uh, supremely vulnerable to magic. Um, yeah, and those are, that's, that's basically the part of this time. Also, I, I want to bring this up because we started getting into some of the, some of the time period between 1940 and 1970. Um, there was one, um, editor, Mort Weisinger, uh, was editor, uh, from 1941 to 1970. And he's the one that kind of starts kind of some of this history. And, and, and you can see, start bringing some more of this order into what the mythology of Superman is. So between, uh, taking some of the stuff that was coming in from the radio show and adding some more structure, uh, to this. That's where you start getting the shape of. So in this time period, this, this 1941 and 1970 time, that's why I don't, I don't, I mean, you can go read those stories. They're fine, right? If that's what you want. Yeah. But to me, it's that almost 30 year period is like, it's the pot in which the Superman of today comes from. It's a bunch of stuff that gets put in there. We'll go through some of his, his, um, his enemy, enemies and some of his key characters. And almost all of them are created in that time frame under, uh, under Weisner. Right, all of them come to that time, and then it's what character, uh, what what creators after this time period, after the seventies, do with those things that make him the Superman that you think of today. Um, and we come from there. I know in the nineteen fifties, um, and this is how they kind of explain how you keep Superman around. That's when they bring in um, Superboy, and yeah. that is basically. Uh, Clark's time as a as a child in Smallville, where he was grew, and, grew up, and and this is like you talked about earlier. You got to hook the kids, yeah. And they didn't want to introduce like a, a a true sidekick yet, but we the the, the introduction of Robin had taken off for Batman, mm-hmm. so they needed a new way to capture a new generation of kids. So they said, "Hey, what about the tales of Superman when he was a boy?" Mm-hmm. And honestly, what are your feelings about that idea that Superman? Maybe not. Maybe don't put him in the cape in the in the in the tights, or whatever. But that he would do good as a boy too. I mean, it makes sense, right? You know, it doesn't make sense. You don't owe them anything. Don't save the bus. Doesn't make a goddamn look. Of sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that comes down to, you know, some of these key characters, and we mentioned them a couple times now. Jonathan and Martha Kent in Superman number one in nineteen thirty nine. Right. I think if you're looking at and I think this is where, I think this is another place where, aside from what you're saying there, but also where, where, where Zack Snyder didn't understand the difference between Batman and Superman, right? And I think this highlights it so much in what Tom King did in that Super, was it, what was that, that, that two-story two arc, Super Friends? The yep. Super Friends arc, right? Where you have both, Bat, you have both Bruce and, and Clark talking about each other, you know, uh, to their significant others. And Superman... Batman is raised by his butler, who's still family, but he doesn't have his mother and father there, right? And Clark loses his mother and father, but at, especially in this time, early time, the only mother and father he really knows are Jonathan and Martha King, because he doesn't even know that he's, he's not their, their, their biological child at this time. So he's raised in Smallville, you know, in this family, on this farm, 
to be this exceptional young man, and he has that love of his family there, right? right. While Bruce, while while Alfred is obviously, you know, becomes Bruce's father, and he we we you know again that touching Father's Day issue that Tom King puts together is just oof, man, it hits you right in the heart. Right. At the end of the day, Alfred is still technically his employee, right? <laughs> you know, true. it's like it's I mean it's. It's 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 still t- there's there's still a line right where you I, know, I, think I think in the more recent depictions has been less defined. Well, it, like yeah. yes, Dick's technically an employee too. Right. I mean, and that's the problem. It's like it it's still this hierarchy that even as a reader, even if it's not there in the pages, even as a reader, you see it. But mom, Paul Kent, they're mom, Paul Kent, right? Now, there might be people out there who don't even know that it's Jonathan and Martha Kent, right? Because it's like that's mom, Paul Kent, right? And and it. And 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 who they are, supremely, you know, shows who Clark is and the and the person he becomes, you know, and and the idea that they couldn't have kids, but they find this kid in this spacecraft and uh, they hide it from everybody else and then adopt him, right? Um, and while they start noticing that he's not like the other kids, and it's an it's an important thing to bring in. Um, another character, key character here is Lois Lane. She's actually there in the first. So Lois Lane's first appearance is also Action Comics number one in June 1938. Um, again, you know, uh, I think that as much as we talk about Superman being the archetype for uh, superheroes, for good and for, for for good and bad, you know, Lois Lane is also an archetype. You know, one in the bad would be those who only see her as a damsel in distress. Oh, right. Which it, again oh. is not, it's not, it shouldn't be, but that's what some people do. In other depictions, well, she's an archetype for that, that go get a reporter who will put herself in harm's way, not because she thinks Superman can save her, but because she's out there to, she's out there to do her job and she's, she's not going to back down from anybody. It's, it's two different types of Lois Lane. And so, who you and who who that writer or who the creator decides to to to, to base our Lois Lane on says says a lot about them. So sometimes my wife will like ask me a question about a comic character, like make this character sound interesting to me. And she thought she was trying to tell me said Lois Lane. I was like, oh, lady, <laughs> right into the briar trap. Mm-hmm. Um, Lois Lane is the toughest, coolest, most confident woman you ever met, but she does it without trying. Mm-hmm. She makes it look effortless. She's the one that knocks Superman on his heels. She's got Pulitzer's before Clark got one. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I, and, I, and I love the fact, like, one of the things I love about Lois Lane is that so many characters, so many writers are able to add things to that character and then carry them forward because people aren't really paying attention. Yeah. Because now she's the daughter of a general who's also a spy. <laughs> who who did not go into military service in direct opposition to her father and uses that to drive her to her successes in journalism. But when that spy story breaks, Leviathan, she gets to be at the center of it all. Because before she's Superman's wife, she's the best reporter in the DC universe. Mm-hmm. And everyone knows it. Yes. And 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 that is Lois Lane. If you're if your Lois Lane is the klutzy, 
you know, damsel in distress, you're you've 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 misread it, right? You've missed a lot. All the the thing is, that's the lowest they put on television with um Terry Hatcher. Yes, that's what I'm saying. It's like you've missed something with that, and that's why I was like, to me, Lois next to Superman. If you want to be honest here, she might be the next consequential comic book character, right? Because there are so many other characters that then become based off of her or from there, right? I mean, you can draw a direct line from her to Iris West. You know, like, it's it's there. And I think that when done right, like, she, it's, it's, she's such an important character to have there. And not just being the girlfriend or the, because um, I, I love what John Byrne does with her in, 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 in his books. In that in that in that eighties time frame where they don't even really have her chasing after Clark like that, and it's, and it's the other way around that Clark is trying to get Lois to to recognize him and pay attention to him, you know, and trying to trying to trying to wear her down, um, right. and that's how it should be, right? Um, the we brought this up. You mentioned it before. You kind of you kind of let it slip there. The Daily Star slash Daily Planet, um, because originally I think is I can't remember if it's Joe or Joel. They Jerry, uh, they um. They uh, named it there because of the Toronto Star, the Toronto <clears throat> Daily Star. Uh, eventually becomes the Daily Planet, Action Comics number 23, 1940. Um, Perry White, uh, I believe, hits the radio first. So, the, so the second episode of the radio serial also went from Daily Star to Daily Planet. Mm-hmm. And it changed from George Taylor to Perry White. Got you. Uh, he's in the comics in Superman number 7, 1940. Again, and, and Perry White, again, another one of the things when you compare, like, complete opposite of some of the things. Because, again, this reminds me of, the, when you think about this, you think about almost kind of like the Daily Bugle and, and, yep. and Spider-Man. Complete opposite of J.J. Jonah, right? Like, there's a, there's a, a part here in, I think, in, in John Byrne's Man of Steel where Perry's son gets kidnapped by mobsters because they want to force him to stop writing the story uh, to stop either testifying or writing the story about some boss, right? And they're telling him, you're going to write a retraction. You're going to do all this stuff in the newspaper. And Perry just can't do it. He's like, yeah, they got my son. They do this. I, I can't tell a lie to all these people in this paper. Right. Well, that's interesting because I would say that's the way that he and Jonah were a lot alike. Well, what I mean by and that, yes, but then the main thing is yeah. just that Jonah couldn't get over his bias against Spider-Man. Right. And that's, and I think that's, and if you want to get real about it, that's the marvelization of Perry White. Yes. Absolutely. Give Perry White this one glaring fucking yes. flaw, but make him this upstanding, moral, right thinking newspaper man first. Yes. But also make him hate our titular character. Yes. And that's the difference between Perry White and J. Jonah. And, mm. and again, like Perry White is such an important character. And then there's Jimmy Olsen, who, has an unnamed character, uh, cameo in Action Comics number six. Hits the radio serial uh, named in April 15th, 1940. And then uh, Superman 13, 1941, makes his appearance. And this is where you kind of get start getting your, 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 your kind of sidekick, right? Your kid's sidekick who can kind of start, again, appealing to those kids, right? Because, again, it's all about bringing the kids in. You can't imagine being Superman, but you can damn sure imagine being Jimmy Olsen. Yes. And then the, you, you even get the, the books, right? You know, uh, Superman, uh, Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. I believe that's the name of the, the, the book they, they actually come out with, right? 
So it's like he even gets his own book tied to Superman, right? It's like they do this weird thing also where, again, <laughs> DC goes overboard. Because I think even Lois gets her own book. It's like Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane or something. It's like at some point, you guys, it's like, okay, I get it. But you guys are going overboard with the naming stuff. Should we stop? But um, Let's see. Uh, we have Crypto the Super Dog. <laughs> Comes out in Venture Comics number uh, 210. Uh, there's Superboy, obviously. We talked a little bit about um, what they did in the 50s with it being Clark. It's way too much to go over in here. I definitely go back and listen to our character corner on Superboy. We will definitely be bringing Superboy up again later on, probably in part two. Um, but if you really want the full in-depth scope of that, uh, hit that up. Um, and same thing with Supergirl. We haven't done a Supergirl one. Maybe we will, or we, we combine her with somebody else. But... Um, yeah, Supergirl will probably also need to be covered kind of a little bit separately. We we may have to do, as I'm reading the Bendis run right now, the House of L. That would actually be pretty smart, actually. Because you got Monica. We can talk yeah. about the dad, the Jor-El who came back in rebirth. Yeah. We can talk about, yeah, some of the other things that are happening. Because um, there's a scene in one of the new action comics where they bring back Connor. I may have talked about this in the mailbag, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, but it's just they're really well depicted, and they're making the family matter. And I think Ben has done a really good job with that. That's a good point. We're looking to doing that. So, um, so now let's get into some of the other characters. We already mentioned Lex. Um, again, we did a whole character corner on him. Uh, let's talk about some of the other some of the other villains we have out here. Brainiac um, is 1958, and, and and again, this all a lot of these fall under Mort. And a lot of them come in this 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 fifty this range between 1958 and 61. So, you, between 1958 and, and 61, you get Brainiac, Bizarro, and General Zod, um, who are all at this point not just big at this point big Superman villains and, and characters, but uh, at least Brainiac and, and Zod end up maybe he's a level even sometimes like Justice League level. Yeah, we saw him yes. in the Green Lantern run. Green Lantern run. With Zod. When they take on Zod and his family, and it goes right. super poorly for the Green Lanterns. Yeah, right, right. Um, you have uh, Darkseid shows up in Jimmy, uh, Superman's, pile, uh, Superman's Pile, Jimmy Olsen, number 134 uh, in 1970. We will probably do more on Darkseid and the whole New Gods thing itself whenever New Gods comes out. I feel like that's probably best to kind of cover that almost separately a little bit there. Um, yeah. Because there's just, there's a, there's a lot that goes on there. There's definitely they pick it up in again in Man of Steel as well. Um, not the movie again. Talking about John Byrne, um, and I think that that will just kind of you know we need to do some our own thing. Um, Bizarro, <laughs> uh, created in Superboy '68 with a, a duplicating ray, then reappears in uh, get retold again in um, Action Comics two fifty four. Basically, Bizarro basically shows up. In each of the different eras. So you have your Golden Era Bizarro, you have your Silver Age Bizarro, and Action Comics. Uh, I think Action Comics 1 is where they set up Bizarro World, where it's the backwards of everything. Um, he goes off into his own into Bizarro World with his own Bizarro uh, Lois Lane. Hmm. Um, and so he has Freeze Visions of Heat Vision, Flame Breath instead of free, Freeze Breath, Vacuum Breath instead of Super Breath. Uh, Bizarro Telescopic Vision. Micro- like it, They got to the point where it's just like, Okay, I get you guys when you say it's the opposite of everything, but then shouldn't he like walk instead of flying or something like that, or crawl instead of flying? Like, it's like at, some, at what point does the the bizarre, the the opposite of everything, kind of change? And, and the speech pattern really, and the speech it's, pattern, uh, right. yeah, it can be a bit much. Yeah, 
Um, he reappears again in Bronze Age for Man of Steel number five, and John Burns is a uh, you know real take. And when we get into that, John Burns does um, basically the post-crisis Superman and kind of resets everything on what we know about Superman. So, um, let's see. Am I missing anything on there? No, you hit a lot of the big ones. Yeah, hit, hit a lot of the big ones. Um, like I said, in in the seventies, um, when after Mort Weisinger leaves, they start trying to, and it's a short-lived thing. They try to tamp down Superman's powers because, yeah. and like we were saying, at at some point, when you start when you start focusing more on Superman's powers, you start realizing that he's never in really danger. Because you've basically made him invulnerable and invincible to everything. You've given him every power under the sun, no pun intended, and you have made him basically, so what is a threat to Superman? So the idea then becomes, well, okay, we're going to um, champ his powers down. Uh, because it was like, it takes the suspense out of the book. But I think that that's, <laughs> I, but, but the problem is, is like, that's because you're, fo- you're I don't know why you're you think that. You're focused on the powers. You're focused on the powers. It's like, the focus should be on the man who Clark Kent is and repeatedly seeing him, how, how he overcomes those, those, those challenges. Right. You know, yes, he can punch a hole into a man's chest, but like he's Superman, he's not going to do that. So he has to find a yeah. way to stop. Uh, and you get a lot of this when you get into the eighties the, the after crisis with John Byrne series, how does he stop, you know, you know, uh, this attack by this villain and save all the people around him so it doesn't hurt people, right? Like that becomes it's almost goes down to the part of this chess match. Like we talk so much about how this other thing too, I think they've done a, a disservice for in Superman in later years is taking away the fact that he's also a tactician himself. Like, granted, he's not no, he's not, he's no Batman, right? But he's very smart and he's very, he's able to see and problem solve and do these things because he has to, right? When you have all this power, the difference between Superman and everyone might be a regular person is he doesn't use it. It's this idea what we saw with um, Spider-Man when, I, when we did Superior Spider-Man and Octavius gets his, um, gets his powers and realizes that he damn near takes Scorpion's jaw off going like, wait, Spider-Man was, Peter was holding back all this time? <laughs> it's like, yeah. Because he has to, because he's a hero, right? And so... It doesn't last long when they try to do this, when they try to take away the powers a little bit. I think it might be the Kryptonite Nevermore story storyline to try to do that. Um, doesn't work. Because, <laughs> again, that's not what people are here for. You know? That's not what people are here for. Yeah, you, we, know, we know he's a hero. We know he's going to come back. We know he's going to bounce back. You ain't got to tamp down his powers for that. See right. That. Um, I think the, the, probably the, the big thing before we get into the John Byrne stuff is Crisis on Infinite Earth. Right? Mm. Crisis is where we get this moment where we talk about this every time. You can't talk about a character that has been around since the Silver Age and not talk about Crisis for DC. Because it's a pivotal moment. It's the moment when we bring everything together. It's the moment when you, you go from the, multi, the multiverse to a single Earth. And you now have to reconcile all these things that's happened. Um, and it also... <laughs> Creates so many problems in the future, both in story and also meta in in real life for DC. Yes, right. It's we talked about this several times. It's like I'm torn on Crisis of Earth. Like it's that's an important story. It's important to add. They it's needed so to important. do it. They needed to do it. But then when you look at what 
happened to DC afterwards, it's like, well, what if they didn't do it? <laughs> it went from breaking case of glass to breaking case of boredom. Yeah. We could revitalize our stories and just make them better, or Batman number one. Right. Right. So, um, I believe Christ, how we get these all mixed up, but I think this is where Supergirl dies in this one. Yes. Uh, we have uh, the Superman and Super Superman who had who was Superboy in uh, the fifties. That becomes uh, what Earth, is that Earth Prime? No, no, that's not Earth Prime. That's Earth Two. Yes, that becomes Earth Two. Mm-hmm. Um, going forward from here, the Superman we get the ones with John Burns and in the eighties and DC's Legends and things like that with John Ostrander. That all becomes Earth Prime. No, not Earth Prime. Yeah, Earth. Yeah, Earth Prime. Yeah. Yeah, or fine. Um and uh yeah. So again, you start from scratch again. <laughs> um and and while there are some other stories in here, and I, I know we 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 skipped over a lot of stuff, like we skipped over Superman and Justice League Comics. Again, you guys can go back and read that stuff if you want to, but it's really all kind of just it's it's fine. It's everything we talked about before about what they set up for who Superman is, right? And that soup between the 30s and 70s is really that. They're good stories. They they set the tone for who Superman is, who Clark Kent is. Um, but to really understand, but because that stuff changes so much, you can't focus too much on it because that's what he was. Starting in with John Burns' Man of Steel, this is where we kind of start off with the Superman that we have, at least for the most part, for today, right? who he was, where he came from, his parents being alive at this point. I mean, I mean by parents, I mean uh, mom, pa, Kent. Um, and him, the story of him finding out that he was um, an alien, uh, the fact that he was never Superboy, that's an important piece here. Yeah. He was never, he was never Superboy during his time here. Uh, basically, he leaves uh, after high school, he leaves. He goes off and does certain things, but it's not until he comes back and decides after uh, saving some people and has been called Superman. He goes back home and they create him. A, they, uh, his, and Ma Kent creates him a uniform. Uh, the, 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 the blue, and, the blue and red that we see with the Cape. Um, but this is it. This is where we start off with, right? This is how we start off. This we get, we get a, a, not a new version, but everybody kind of starts off from scratch. Like this is where we get the, a new origin for, um, not an origin, but we get a, a new Lex, Lex Luthor. We get how Clark joins, um, uh, the daily planet. And ends up coming in and scooping uh, Lois Lane, which is kind of why she doesn't fuck with him. <laughs> the first few volumes of this book, kind of, because she's he's always scooping her on Spider Man. I mean, on Superman, because just like what Peter does with Spider Man, because he, they're one and the same. So it's right. easy to get the it's easy to get the scoop on Superman when you are also are Superman. Um, it also introduced Cat Grant. I think from a lot of the John Byrne series, Cat Grant is technically Superman's girlfriend at this time. Um, they they also set up uh, a past love with uh, 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 Lana Lang as yep. well. Um, and uh, yeah, and and this is kind of where John Burns Man of Steel number one, and then you have to read the volumes because because what happens is the 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 first Man Man of Steel goes from six issues, and then what they do is it's basically three comics. They tell one story though. So you actually need to, you need to get all the, the books. And so what I do is I just suggest you get the volumes, the Superman, man, the man of steel volumes, uh, two through nine. 
Um, because it's a combination of stories from uh, Superman, Action Comics, and Adventures of Superman, with some other stuff kind of mixed in there. And it's written by three different people: uh, John Byrne, Marv Wolfman, and Jerry or- Ordway. And um, this is the modern Superman. This is it. This is and the, yeah. Go ahead. That's the starting point. Yes. The things that we as a culture kind of identify Superman today, like there's always people who say my Superman was because of a Reeve, or mine was the uh, the serials, or even the radio show. Like people who go that far back. But when you want to talk about kind of the jumping off point, even through the different permutations and things that have been massaged and changed a little bit since, this is it. This is the single unifier theory of Superman. Which is why Man of Steel, the film, is so insulting. Sorry, there it was again. I can't yeah, keep it. Yeah, yeah, let it out, man. I feel like you. This, this, this is the podcast for that. This is the podcast because I like getting ready for this. I love Superman. He informs every other character I like, and now. It feels like the company that he put on the map is ashamed of it. Yes. <laughs> is that fair? No, I mean, but I feel like it is particularly him, but they're also, I feel like they're ashamed of their, they're, they're ashamed of their entire line. But particularly with Superman, with the idea that they feel like, I feel like, you know what it is? I feel that. WB slash DC. I'm going to put DC on this one too because I feel like it's also them. I feel like they believe the noise. So they believe the idea when people come in and, you know, and call Superman a Boy Scout, they were like, well, we got to prove that he's not. Whereas when you get things like, when we read things like, you know, um, uh, uh, Steve Rogers and Captain America and people call him a Boy Scout and stuff like that, it's like, well, you lean into it because that's his trait. Yeah. Superman's a Boy Scout. Yeah. Guess what, guys? There's nothing wrong with being a Boy Scout when you have the power of the gods. He's a Boy Scout. Well, what else? What the <laughs> fuck? Right. It's like, well, I mean, there's a story in, in, in one of the Man of Steel. I was reading the, um, the volume, so I can't remember if it's in. I can't remember which volume it is. I can't remember if it's, it's Action Comics or not. But there's the, the, the one where um, this, uh, this scientist who has been um, disabled. And he tricks Superman into using his device. He tells him it's one thing, and what it ends up being is it allows him to transfer the consciousness. So it transfers his consciousness into Superman, and Superman's into his body. So the, 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 the scientist gets Superman's powers. And he goes off and he does all these things. He like rips off Cyborg's arm. Like he has all this power. And Superman, let me see if I can find I think I, I think I actually uh, took a picture of it because it's like it represents Superman so much. Yeah, here he goes. He says, um, the doctor goes, I'm um, back in my own crippled, useless body, trapped in the, in the world that scorns me, that, that forces me into obscurity. And Superman says, don't be so quick to blame the world for your problems, uh, Gunderson. True, the face dealt you a rotten hand. I'll never forget how it feels to be assigned a body that doesn't, want, that, that doesn't do what you want it to do. But it's not your body that makes you a crippled, Gunderson. The history, uh, history is full of men and women who overcame incredible handicaps. Helen, Helen Keller, who became one of our great authors, even through uh, though deaf, uh, blind, deaf, and mute, 
Douglas Bader, the legless fighter, uh, fighter ace of the world, uh, World War II. Franklin Roosevelt became president of the United States, even though confined to a wheelchair. And Jericho here, he can't, he cannot speak, but that did not stop him from becoming a superhero. You took my powers from making nothing more than a column hoodlum. No, it's not your body that cripples you, Gunnarsson. It's your mind. I mean, Superman. That's Superman. That's what it is. Like it's just like, it, it, but it's the same thing that. Um, so I think it's issue two, a man is still, and we talked about this in the Lex Luthor, um, uh, one is the one where it's like he literally comes in. It, the cover is basically like Clark Kent is Superman. Cruz. Lex has, has, can, has done all this stuff to try to figure out who Superman is, right? He's got a giant computer and a scientist and, to to crack all the data, flight patterns, yeah. behavior, eye twitches. Who is Superman? Right. Comes down to it, and the computer spits out that Clark Kent is Superman, and and uh, Lex is just like, that is ridiculous. I don't believe it. You know, he's not going to do it. Let me see if I actually have that here. And he says... Yes, a soulless machine might make that deduction, but not Lex Luthor. I know better. I know that no man with the power of Superman would ever pretend to be a mere human. Such power is to be constantly exploited. Such power is to be used. But the data is reliable. You have failed me, Amanda. This conclusion is utterly useless. Remove it from my computer at once, then remove yourself. I have no place in my organization for people who cannot see the obvious. Told the truth, and Lex himself cannot believe it. Because in his mind, there's no way that Someone with that power would be the Boy Scout. But someone with that power wouldn't use it to exploit themselves. But again, that's Superman. And the thing about it is, his core is just Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they never explicitly say it. Mm-hmm. So assholes like Zack Snyder can come in and say, <laughs> well, what if? What if absolute power is just fucking power? And I get it. It sounds cool. It's been done. Well, Hyperion. Uh, hold on. Hyperion. Supreme power. Um, 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 fucking Sentry. Bloodborne, Brightborn. Where the fuck that shitty movie was? It's Homelander from The Boys. <laughs> Homelander. <laughs> it's, it's been done. It's and guess Homelander. what? They aren't sustainable characters. Superman sustains not because of his power, but because of the hope thing. I keep the the meanest thing anyone's ever said to Superman was when during Infinite Crisis, when the Watchtower gets attacked, they take down the Mongol, and Bruce says to Clark, "You haven't inspired anyone since you were dead." And I, I've never wanted to spike a book more in my life. That shit was harsh. <laughs> it was beautiful. That's the shit you talk to your friends. You know it hurts. That's what that was. And, but it because he didn't call into effect. You can't do this. You get he said you don't inspire anyone anymore. Because that's the real power. And it's so goddamn frustrating that people don't get that. The inspiration is what matters. It's the same story with Batman. You think all these kids just showed up because they were orphans who were bored? They looked up at the, at, the, at the sky one night and saw a symbol that meant they weren't alone. That meant they could change. That one person could change their circumstances. With the strength and the will to do it. 
And that's why you see these two paired, not because they're different, because they're the same. Because everywhere they go, they make people want to pick up and do good. That's why they're paired together. Not because light in the dark, because they're both lights in their own way. And it's Chris. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. I, I think, I think I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it's one of the things that I, I didn't, we didn't cover, but there's, you know, one of the other things that, that's kind of changed over the time is the different meeting times of Superman and Batman, right? Um, right. And, you know, everybody has, their, everybody, everybody wants to tell that story, right? Everybody wants to tell, you know, everybody has a Superman story. Everybody has a Batman story. Everybody wants to tell the first time the Batman Superman and Pan met, right? Um, and um, I know that one of the ones I've seen was, uh, I think it was Superman 76, uh, when, when uh, Superman comes out and um, grabs Batman and thinks that, again, it, it's something that, it, it's, it's one of those things where I was like, I, I see where Bat, I see where, Zack Snyder got the, the the initial confrontation between Batman and Superman and and uh, BVS is like Superman goes to Gotham, sees Batman do, and, and decides to be was like, hey, no, I'm, you're a vigilante. I'm taking you. I don't do this. But then what ends up happening is, you know, they end up they do something that they don't do in Zack Snyder's movie, right? They talk, and Batman's like, listen, there's some bombs going off in here. You help me, and if you still fit the same way at the end, like he, Batman basically tells him, it's like you gotta let me go because. If you if you if you if you attack me, a bomb's gonna go off the city. It's gonna kill somebody innocent. And so Superman's like, "Fuck it, all right, fine, I'm gonna help you." So they help him. They stop. They they stop the thing on. And then at the end, Batman you know, gives him the thing. He was like, "Yeah, the bomb was on me." He's like, "He was like, oh, so you were you were going? So the person the innocent person killed would have been you." He's like, "Yes." And that's like when Superman and Batman kind of had this understanding about who each other are. Like he, Superman also realizes that Gotham is a little bit different than what he does in Metropolis. And they leave without having a fight. They have a, under, a better understanding of each other, and you see that each of them is doing the same. They're on the same page, doing the same thing. And I think as Superman leaves away, Batman goes, "We could have been. We, we could be friends." And you, it was just funny because you look back at later, going like, "They are friends. <laughs> They're different. They come out a different way, but they are the same." It's like that super friends issue again right. with. Tom King, like he just nails the relationship, it, it, in, in, right? In it's 22 like they're issue, twenty-two pages, right? They're different, but the same, and it's not all about darkness, right? Like the way that Superman talks, the Clark talks about Batman, and basically saying that like, he could be dark, but he's not. Like it's just they get it, right? And everybody else doesn't, and and so this John Byrne run kind of goes through the, again. It's Byrne, Wolfman, and Ordway. It goes through all this stuff, and the, and. You know, you go all over the place and you really understand Superman. They show him overcoming all this stuff. They show him being this force for, for good and light and things like that. And it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it's, that's a great run. Um, do we want to get into now the death of Superman? And we'll end there. Best selling comic book of all time. Superman number 75. Um, soul with a black armband. Here's how important Superman is. I can argue that this issue killed comic books, killed superhero comic books. Because you cashed in <laughs> on so much public faith. Mm -hmm. There were digital funerals. 
it made the fucking news. Mm-hmm. And anyone who ever picked up a comic book was like, well, he's coming back, right? And then they launched the, because at the time there were four Superman books. I'll tell you how popular Superman was at the time. It wasn't just like, oh, they popped a rating. No, no, no. Superman was, they Dan Jurgens and the fucking Super Mullet. Don't, no, he had the haircut because it worked. Oh, yeah. So I also say, Definitely Superman. We're talking about 75 here, but it ran over Superman, the Man of Steel, Justice League of America, Superman, Adventures, Adventures of Superman, Action Comics, a Superman, uh, and then the, the actual Superman book, right? It's like it's it's like four different books that cover this entire story. The story of Doomsday coming um, and eventually They made killed. it feel appropriately large for the time. Yeah. They, they invested in this, and they popped that number. But they had to bring him back. Because they split the four Superman books into the four Supermen. Cyborg, Eradicator, Superboy, and Steel. And everyone got their own arcs and their own story. And you got to have the... It was a really kind of beautifully executed crossover, honestly. But you build it as the death of the first superhero. Mm-hmm. And when you brought him back, he didn't have his powers yet. There's something in progressing called a false finish. When you see a finisher, you get the one count, the two count, and then, oh, no, the kick out. It's an effective storytelling tool. Less effective when overused. Yes. Because if you kill him, but then you bring him back, but you bring him back all the way, and then within the next couple issues, you're going to give him his powers back, it doesn't hit the way you might want it to. It's like the, the, the 87 endings of Return of the King. The climax was a little punch. Mm-hmm. So, and also the the public good, the public relationship with comic books, if you will, these characters was damaged because if you're not ingrained in this shit, you have every right to feel lied to. Mm-hmm. Speculator market exploded off this. Chrome covers, hollow foils. You could say this killed comic books because they killed hope, quite literally. Yeah, it, I may have overthought this. Well, I don't think you overthought it. I mean, I think it, it, it's it's because shortly after this, it's well, actually around this time because like two years before this was X Men number one, right? With the what eleven covers for X Men number one yeah. or something like that. So it's like it's around this time, around the the nineties. I think I think it kept off right here where Superman number seventy five, but after this, between that time and like I guess mid two thousands, maybe early two thousands, maybe not mid then, early two thousands, it was the year everybody was trying to replicate Superman number five seventy five. Everybody's trying to replicate how do we get people to buy as many copies as they did for for Superman seventy five. What did right? you say about Nightfall? What was that? Right, you know. How do you get, how do you, how do you, how do you redo that? And so what happens is you then become, you're, you're starting, you're now chasing after, um, you're now chasing after numbers and not the story, right? You're, it's all, it's now more about how do we, it's, it's now really become a business. And it's always been a business, but that becomes the editorial focus. Yes. You've so, shown, you've shown your paymasters how much you can make. Now the question is, why don't you always make that much? Right. And um, and, and this will be something we'll cover in, in the next episode. Um, it hurts Superman. 
It hurts. And it hurts all of comics. Marvel definitely goes through some stuff with this too well. But I think we can really argue that this is also where DC really hurt itself. Um, with what they do what they do after this. And and that you can then constantly say that since this point, while others have moved on, DC is still chasing after this. Yeah. They're still chasing after this feeling. Um I will say in Death of Superman, uh, obviously we kind of... Here's the funny thing, because I, I reread this, and I know it seems like we're skipping over Doomsday, but the fact is, like, you don't get any details on Doomsday during the Death of That's Superman. part of why he's so terrifying, because he's just yeah. like this plot device that came to kill Superman. Yeah, it's right like... Right here. I'm not, I, I don't even talk, motherfucker. I'm here to kill Superman. Right. That's and, the I, reason I exist. And after rereading this, I kind of forgot that, because at this point, now you've gotten more information on Doomsday. You know enough about You know Superman, enough about Doomsday. Superman, right. You know enough about... But when you go back and read this story, you realize Doomsday is just some, some, some thing that comes out of the ground, kills Superman... And, 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 and dies in that fight with Superman, they both die, and that's it. And you're just like, wait, there's no stories? Like, at one point, you think maybe Cadmus knows something about it, or nope, they don't give you any kind of details, and, and at least in, in, in Death of Superman, you know nothing about Doomsday. He just comes out of the, comes, Superman dies, and that's it, and you're right. And, and part of that comes from the idea of, at this point, Superman has been, it, it's also, this, again, goes back to the, the false idea in a way, that they needed to kind of ground Superman. They needed Superman to face a, a, a fate that he couldn't come back from. And he needed something that was terrifying to do that. And it worked, but at the same time, it's always that thing of, at what cost? At what cost? Yeah, at what cost? Because like I said, there were things that were lost here. But I'll tell you what, rereading that, it's affecting. Mm-hmm. No, it is. Because you're like, what the? Because what happens is, it really pushes to, you're right, who could be Superman? Literally a force of nature. Yeah. Can't fight a hurricane. It's li- he literally gets the name Doomsday because Booster Gold, I keep forgetting Booster Gold's in the story. Booster Gold really goes like, in the it's armor. Doomsday. Yeah, in the armor. It's like, is Doomsday. Like, it, it, this, is, this is Doomsday. Not like, name the creature, but like, this is what this is. Because this creature just has an, it, it, it doesn't stop. And it keeps going through. Um, the Justice League of America tries to stop. Is it Justice League of America? The DLA? Yeah, they try to stop DLA, him. They get, DLA, they get. A, it's a bastard. Oh, yeah. Bloodwind. Remember Bloodwind? Yeah, it is. It the, turns out to be Jean. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, Spoilers for a comic that's twenty years old, thirty years old, thirty years old. Yeah, it. Um, he tears through them. Um, beats the living shit out of everybody, and it's literally up to Superman to stop. It's you know? pretty big and, seven era, and, and and you also right, and you also see Superman doing things like trying to stop Doomsday while trying to save other people. So there's a one scene where he's trying to stop Doomsday, but he has to go back and save that kid's mother who's in the in the fire. Who uh, of the house that got destroyed by Doomsday? It's like you're seeing Superman try to do all this stuff, and you literally watch your hero die, trying to give everything he can to stop to save his, and also fail on the way, and, and and fail, right? You know, and and give everything he has, and you get the scenes of Lois trying to tell him, "No, don't go, you'll die," and basically, saying, "I have to do this." Like you get those things, and it's everything, like. I think you're right about Man of Steel with, with, with Zack Snyder, even how I feel about the movie as itself. Where this really comes in that, though, to me, is really BVS. Because as soon as you realize that Zack Snyder is telling the death of Superman, like, as soon as they said they were Doomsday, I'm like, but Doomsday killed, like, you're, are they going to try to kill? And then when you realize that's what they're going to do, that they're going to have Superman die in this, and I'm like, you haven't earned that. You 
Thank you. You haven't earned that. And what you've done, what Zack Snyder always does is you've turned it into a plot, a cheap plot device. And see, again, we can, as much as we said the, the, the battle what comes out of Superman in terms of maybe killing off comics, like you said, when you read this, these issues alone in a vacuum, it is effective because of the story that was told and what, how you get to this point. BVS had not earned that and did not do that. And they tried to basically jumble three or four different kinds of storylines about Superman into one, none of them being effective. And then you get him dying and it's insulting. It's insulting. It's the dumbest thing to do. Um, and, um, yeah. So, who boy. Um, we did it. We did an hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> and we didn't really got to go into like story storylines. And again, the reason why we didn't do that is because, again, you can go read some of the stuff. It's to me, this first Superman, part. Superman's not a character for a lot of this creation. He's, an, he's, a, he's a vehicle with which to tell whatever story you wanted because he was, he was a superhero. And so a lot of the past, it's introductions, but not explorations. And I'm excited to talk about more modern conventions of storytelling because. Really, that's where we got into kind of the, the who and why and what wherefores of Superman because there's some really good runs in here and yeah. um, some really not so great ones, but yeah. some really good ones too. Yeah, and that's what we're going to do in the, in the second part of this. So, um, yeah, folks, uh, thank you guys very much for joining us on this one. We'll pick this up in part two sometime in September. Um, yeah, um, thank you guys very much for listening. Um, make sure you guys subscribe, Character Corner. And um, yeah, we will be back soon. Thank you guys very much. And until next time, we're out of here. Peace.